We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for the telecast. Brought to you by... The Geekcast Radio Network. said i am your host optimus solo and i'd like to say hello and welcome to the 10th holy cow 10 already 10th episode of the telecast brought to you by the geek cast radio network today we are rounding up our educational segment and to help do that is uh, i have with me steve megatron phillips hello hello and back with us again is tfg1 mike hello hello it's been a while Yes. At least it seems like it's been a while. I'm not sure. Well, I've called in with several voicemails, so I get in every episode almost. What was, so. what was the last episode you were on, though? I can't even remember what number. Oh, God. Four? No. Were you on was it four? Were you, you haven't been on any of the educational ones, have you? Mm, no, I don't no think but I, call, I called in on one right. of them. Right. Anyways, the, today the three of us will be talking about... It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? <laughs> <laughs> 
I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, "Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please, won't you be my neighbor?" That's right, folks. We are going to be talking about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And before we get too far into our discussion, quick background information on the show: that Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood debuted in 1968. Good Lord, the only one of us that was alive at that point was Mike, um, and it aired until 2001 on PBS. It was a 30-minute show, and yeah, 31 seasons. And if my count is correct, or if my sources are correct, 895 episodes, but I have seen another source that said 900 and some episodes, so I'm not 100% sure, but either way, it's a lot of episodes. Um, for those of you that don't know, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was an educational show, obviously, since it's in this section of the telecast, aimed at preschool-aged kids, hosted by Fred Rogers. Episodes did not have a plot, um, basically consisted of Rogers speaking directly to the viewer about various issues. Um, he would take the viewer on tours of factories. He would do experiments, crafts, music. Um, he would interact with a few live a- uh, action friends. And they would also always have a puppet segment chronicling the occurrences in the neighborhood of make-believe. Uh, I'll start with Mike. Mike, what do you remember about uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood from your childhood? Well, first of all, I have to say, I know Kevin has this whole thing of his aligning his schedule with different t- uh, categories of shows. I always remember watching this immediately after Sesame Street. Oh yeah, so do I. Um, no, I, I, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that you didn't. I'm just saying that as far as telecast goes. Yeah, the difference Sesame is Sesame Street's later. Sesame Street's where is is in with all the the Muppet, the Muppet puppet shows. So yeah, but I always remember watching this, uh, Sesame Street, then this, and it was just it, it was a great great show. Um, one of the, if not the, well, no, I, I would say it's one of the best educational shows ever. Yeah. I mean, if if I ever had kids, heaven forbid, um, <laughs> I would be showing them this versus any kind of purple dinosaurs or blue puppies or any kind of crap that they have nowadays. I'm ready to irradiate your existing brain cells. Yeah, but Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was really, really uh, – it was so awesome because one of them I, – I could be wrong, but I could, I could have sworn that I remember him doing an episode where he went to – the film set of The Incredible Hulk. He had Lou Ferrigno as a guest, so I'm pretty sure he did do that. Okay, yeah, I, that that's the one episode that I remember the most is 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 seeing that episode, and then the whole neighborhood of make believe stuff. Um, it, 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 right now as a 31 year old, uh, it's um, it, it's okay. I have a few issues, I'm sure, that we'll talk about the actual characters and stuff a little bit later. So, uh, yeah, that's but that's what I remember. Overall, it was a great, great educational program for its time, and yeah, that's it. (laughs) All right, Steve, what do you remember? I remember, uh, of course, the Land of Make Believe, uh, Mr. McFeely, uh, the various educational commercials you could say that were displayed throughout the. uh, random parts of the episodes. 
Did you watch this kind of back-to-back with Sesame Street like Mike did, or did you have a different experience as far as... I pretty much did that, and then I kind of ended up watching it again later on uh, as my brother was growing up. Yeah. Just because we had one television in the basement to share, and he decided to watch that, and actually, usually there was nothing else on, so I just would sit there and watch it again, even though I'd pretty much seen them all anyway. That is actually a great point. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I've never thought about that, but another comparison of kids in our generation compared to kids today, kids today don't know what it's like growing up in a house with one television. That is true. I've, n- I've never really thought about that, doing all these episodes, but kids today, they're used to having like a TV in every room, watching whatever they want. they got computers and whatnot. In our day, what was on TV was what was on TV, and that was the only thing you could watch. Yeah, exactly. And, and you didn't really have a choice. I mean, it was either you watch it or you go without. I mean, or you go outside or you find something else to do. Yeah, which most of us did back in the day. Nowadays, everybody's got a TV in their room or uh, a cell phone that connects to, you know, <laughs> Uh, the iTunes network or whatever gets online and uh, yeah. game systems, whatever. I mean, it's just there's all kinds of more media in front of you instead of actually learning something and going outside. Right. Not only did we have less channels, but we had less actual TVs. So it was, yeah, I, I didn't even, that's never occurred to me, but that is a huge difference, actually. Because if you did have kid like brothers or sisters, whether they were older or younger, sometimes you would be stuck watching them. And that makes more sense now because Mike and I have talked a couple of times on Tooncast, and I've remembered watching cartoons with my older brother and sister that I would have never watched. But obviously I was watching them because I couldn't do anything about it. If they were watching them, I had to watch it or else I had to do something else. Yeah. On the flip side of this whole thing, though, nowadays you have kids... And parents that have the multiple TVs, that every single TV is tu- is tuned into Blue's Clues or Disney Channel. You know, you, but you you know what I'm saying. It, it, it's something like of what, what, whatever educational shows we have today. Yeah. So it's like you know you you go into a house with say three TVs. Every single TV is running some sort of kids educational program in every room. If they're lucky. <laughs> Unless it's the bad ones, I don't know. There's, there's some. I won't say all uh, educational shows in the last five or you know six years have, have been bad, but there has been quite a few that do not match up to what was available when we were young. I also remember watching this one back to back with uh, last week's or la- last episode's topic, uh, Reading Rainbow. Mm-hmm. At a certain time, obviously, Reading Rainbow, Sesame Street, and Mr. Rogers were all PBS, so it makes sense that at one time or another they were all shown back to back. I remember watching them about around like noon, starting with Sesame Street at noon or at 11 in the morning, and then Mr. Rogers right after that, and then Reading Rainbow after that. That's how my memory serves me. See, for me, I remember it. It, I, I, it might be that way. I, I can't remember because when I went to kindergarten, I, I, I for like um, one part of the year for kindergarten, I went to the morning session. And See, the so did I. And the other part, I went to the afternoon session. So I think, I could be wrong about this, but I think they did show them early morning as well. They might have. I do remember, though, I was a morning kindergarten person, too, and I would get home and, you know, have my peanut butter and jelly or whatever I was having for lunch and watch Sesame Street followed by Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, maybe followed by Reading Rainbow, sometimes, sometimes not. And then after that, I would go outside and, you know, meet up with friends maybe that were in the afternoon session or this or that and do that type of thing. And I remember that crystal clear. I even have a picture of me actually sitting at our... uh, we had a table out in our like little TV room staring up at the TV, and I had to be watching one of those. So I kind of like that picture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, any other general memories from either of you, or just thing, you know things you remember about Mister Rogers before we move on? Uh, nothing I can remember. Mike? No, not really. All right, sounds good. Then we will get into the who's who of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I actually entered this episode thinking, well, this is going to be an easy segment because it's just Mr. Rogers. I kind (laughs) of forgot about all the other people. Um, Obviously, we'll get him out of the way. So the first person is is Fred Rogers. Um, And he's basically playing his own self. And for those of you that don't know, Fred Rogers was born in 1928. He was an educator. He was a minister. He was a songwriter, composer, and then obviously he was a television host. So he was kind of a man of, a, of many different talents. Um, during the course of his career, he actually had 40, 40, that's a four zero different degrees, some earned, some honorary. Um, and I didn't know this, but he was a red-green uh, colorblind individual. Yeah. I did not know that. Um, he's also probably why he wore blue. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, he's also a vegetarian before that was stylish. And apparently he never smoked or drank. Now, obviously that can't be proved, but I'll believe it. Um, it's Mr. Rogers. Yeah, that would just be wrong. But uh, what were your guys' feelings of, I know a lot of people have different opinions about Mr. Rogers. Um, and there are, well, I won't get into it yet, but what are your guys' feelings? Uh, I'll let Steve go first, but what, what's your feelings on Mr. Rogers as the type of host he was and even maybe comparing him to some of the other hosts we've had in the educational segment like uh, um, LeVar Burton for Reading Rainbow or even the science guys like Bill Nye or Beekman's? Uh, what was your opinion on Fred? Um, definitely I'd have to say that he was pretty close to the vibe of LeVar Burton or uh, Bill Nye. Mm-hmm. In the sense that he uh, he was more of a calm host that taught you stuff, and he he wasn't as in your face as say Beekman or right. uh, some of the other uh, like you know likeness characters like that. But um, he definitely did teach you something, but he also used it through some of his friends that would randomly pop in throughout the show, whether it be his. Uh, Land of Make Believe, or um, or through Mr. McFeely, or whoever else happened to show up. Yeah, I agree. I I think you're right. I think you pinned it on the head, and I think that's something that he's or, uh, that he's known for is being that calm, collected, even more, to a more extreme. You, you know, you said like kind of like Bill Nye or Lavar Burton, and I agree with that. But he almost even takes it to another level. Um, and Mr. Wizard was another guy that was kind of like that. But he was so calm and so, like, you, you, if you picture if you're having a conversation with him in real life that you're completely comfortable, you know what I mean? He had this way of, like, just putting you at ease. Mike, what was oh, your yeah. thoughts? Or, you know, go ahead, Steve. I was going to say he, he – if – if you get too comfortable with him, I mean, he was almost enough to put you to sleep. I mean, not to say anything bad about the man, but mm-hmm. uh, you you had to be kind of into that in order to get what the whole program was supposed to, you know, be. Right, and that's almost why he was in the perfect time because he, if he was trying to start out today, he wouldn't last. No, because nobody They'd would make it a season, and then they would cut him cut him short. Kids would not be able to sit through it because they wouldn't have the attention span. And like you said, he almost has that calming put you to sleep thing. And I think our kids these days have been so trained or so like conditioned to need fast pace, you know, rapid fire stuff that it just wouldn't work. 
Why? Why did you mention putting people to sleep? Because for some strange reason, the only thing that's popping into my head now is Jigglypuff. <laughs> Why would you bring up power, or, uh, Pokemon during... <laughs> I know, but that's the first thing that popped into my head. You are an insulting, pompous fool. And if you were not an ambassador, I would disembowel you right here. You know, it didn't really pop into my head. My head was the old Kids WB uh, commercial of, of Batman saying Jigglypuff. I think Mike has lived two different lives, actually. Shut up. No, I've seriously. I think he was a kid when we were when we were kids, and then I think he was a kid again. Like he like went in a time machine and anyway. relived his childhood <laughs> in the late nineties. <laughs> anyway, what are your thoughts on uh, on Mister Rogers, Mike? Um. You know, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. The um, just his overall demeanor, his overall character. He didn't talk down to the audience. He, you felt like you were sitting on his on on whatever piece of furniture was opposite his little chair there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just great, great educational um, stuff. One of the episodes that I did watch today was one where. I forget what her name is off the top of my head, but some woman came over and they were doing exercises. I mean, how often nowadays do... I saw that same one. <laughs> I mean, seriously, how, how often nowadays do children's programming do exercises? I mean, now na- nowadays, specifically, um, unfortunately, I have to admit to watching this because it's on in the mornings and oh, sometimes there's nothing else on uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse where it's... That show is interactive, like, oh, we have to get this. Help us get this. And it's like, really? You know what the other one that does that, and I'm not afraid to admit this one because I actually like this show, <laughs> is uh, Lazy Town does that. Where they, like, get you to, like, exercise or they, like, try to get you to do certain things. And I don't care who dislikes Lazy Town. That show's kind of cool. Um, does anybody even know what I'm talking about? No. Yeah, I, I remember Lazy Town. Lazy Town has some interesting videos on YouTube. But uh, yeah. no, let's get this out of the way, though, because since we're talking about Mr. Rogers and, and him as a character or as a person, I don't understand. I think this is just something that people have to do when someone's such a good role model. They feel the need to like m- m- tear him down and whatnot. But we need to get the whole everyone thinking he's like some type of creepy like monster out of the way because those people need to rot in hell. Yes, oh, yeah. yes, they do. And even watching some of the YouTube videos, I started to scroll through comments, and he, people were calling him a racist in comments. People were calling him creepy and stuff like that. And it's just like, really? The guy like devoted his entire life to trying to do something good for children because of what he saw as a person at his young. You know, like he got involved. Actually, I don't have this anywhere, but I, I read about it. He was actually working for NBC first, uh-huh. and he was so disgusted with how commercial NBC was that that's why he actually quit and went to PBS because he thought that might be a better venue where he could actually do something because he saw TV as offering nothing to children back in the 60s. Right. And so his whole goal was to offer something for children to watch that would be positive. And, like, how can you fault a guy for any of that? I just I hate people that make up nonsense about people. But again, Kevin, the thing about what you just said, it's 
YouTube. I mean, <laughs> I know people are like that in general, and people have said stuff about him. In Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. General, but specifically geared YouTube. It's it's YouTube. There are morons on YouTube that will say the stupidest, darndest things. I mean, it's like having 10,000 British star screams up your ass. And Steve will get that reference. I want to see how many references you can make this episode that I am not going to understand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So far, we're at three. But uh, anyways, I want to get into a few of the guests that I apparently forgot existed. I'm glad Steve had mentioned one of them and actually has some memories of them. But uh, some of the – these are the human characters. We're not getting into the the puppets yet. But some of the human characters, most notably, you had Mr. McFeely, who was the delivery man. You had – and that's actually named after his grandpa, and that's – Fred Rogers' middle name. He's Fred McFeely Rogers, so that's not like some type of, you know, made-up name. That's not a family name. Um, you had neighbor Aber, uh, Lady Aberlin, uh, who else? You had the Officer Clemens, Mrs. McFeely, Handyman. Um, there's probably some I'm forgetting, but what do you remember about the actual human characters that interacted with uh, Mr. Rogers at his house? Um, either one of you. I know, well, let's start with Steve, since he had mentioned the Mr. McFeely. What do you remember about him or any of the other human characters? Um, really the only human character that made an impact that I could remember was Mr. McFeely. And he would come in and he would deliver mail to, uh, Mr. Rogers. And in the process, he would usually, um, n- not only give him mail, but he would bring him, uh, random packages. And usually he would be there to teach you about uh, just miscellaneous things. I mean, there was one of like showing, you know, donut production. I mean, there was one showing, uh, you know, safety. I mean, there was just all different kinds of things that uh, it would be teaching you some aspect of something. Yeah, and they kind of portrayed him as someone that was very intelligent. Oh yeah. Like yeah, I remember him calling him for help and like to help him out with experiments and stuff like that. So. Yeah, he always said, uh, didn't he always say something about speedy delivery or something like that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) He would say, speedy delivery, (laughs) drop something off. I do remember that now as looking back and seeing, you know, in in preparation for this episode, it started, like, having little light bulbs go off. Like, oh, I do remember that. (laughs) What about any other humans that either of you remember? Is there anybody else, or was he the main one? He's honestly the main one. I mean, it was almost like it's... Fred, it's almost like it's Mr. Rogers and Mr. McFeely's neighborhood because those are the two main ones. All the other adults that came in, all the other live action people that came in, were more were random. And- well, they were introduced as someone he knew, 
or someone famous that he might have known, but you know, um, specifically that that exercise episode that I was talking about, where that woman comes in, mm-hmm. you know, it's it it's like she was part of the neighborhood, or he knew her from somewhere, and it was almost like she was his physical therapist or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Those were the most bizarre exercises ever, by the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> The sad thing is, I actually think I remember doing those as a kid. Nice, you were participating. Yeah, when I was watching that episode. As a kid, I remember doing that. But um, It also lists um, as officer, or as, uh, it also lists Keith David as one of the guests. I I know Keith David is a voice, African-American voice actor. I don't remember him ever being on the show, but that'd be kind of cool if he appeared. I think he was one of the puppets. Okay. Which would probably be where that fits in. Okay, I didn't. I did, wasn't. I wasn't 100 sure, but I'm seeing his name in uh, some of the credits list. But I, I'm with you guys. Even after watching it, like I, I didn't remember Mr. McFeely before, but now watching it, he's the one that I remember as far as the the human characters. But let's shift into the neighborhood of make believe. Which let me first off say that those are the creepiest looking puppets I've ever seen. Yeah, some of them. <laughs> I know they're not actually creepy, but like looking back, com- like if you compare those to like, I don't know, like Jim Henson type stuff, you're like, I don't know. Like I had a puppet that was like one of these that you could like put your hand in and like uh, you could make him punch people. Like he had two boxing gloves and you could make him punch and he had that same type of face. Uh, <laughs> I know there's one in particular that you like, Mike. I don't really like her at all. I could care less. Actually, she was actually she, she is my least favorite character in the entire show. Uh, the Elaine character. Uh, the only thing I remember about her is she had these like fiery cheeks and this giant dick nose. That's a nice way to put it there, Lady Elaine Fairchild. Yeah. Mike was all about the dick face. Anyways. <laughs> I'm just going to name a couple of them, and then we can talk about any of the ones we want to. But I remember Anna Platypus, uh, Bob Dog. I remember um, Daniel Striped Tiger, uh, Dr. Duckbill Platypus. Um, I remember Harriet Elizabeth Cow, Henrietta Pussycat. Um, I remember King Friday, obviously, Lady Fairchild. And I don't know if I remember any of the other ones. King There's Friday. King Friday and Prince Tuesday and Queen Saturday. <laughs> but uh, they're all basically voiced by Fred Rogers or a couple random people um, that I don't really – I'm not really familiar with any of the other people except for maybe Michael Horton. Yeah. The, before we talk about the actual characters, I'm not trying to rip on this because they aren't voice actors, mm-hmm. but the voices were really bad. Oh, yeah. They were horrible. Well, <laughs> well to be fair, if you look at this list – uh, I mean, it's it's Fred Rogers for the majority of the list. And, yeah. and he could sing somewhat, and he could compose songs, and he could do a lot of different things. He was not a voice actor. Because <laughs> I know he does King uh, Friday, and he does Lady Fairchild. Yeah. And watching those two talk to each other is painful. <laughs> I don't know. What, what were you guys' favorite or least favorite out of these uh, make-believe uh, puppets, I guess we can call them? Um... They were okay. Uh, it, it was almost like having uh, two lessons in one show. Mm-hmm. And because this was a 30-minute show, you were able to do that. It's it's almost like watching two 15-minute cartoons. Um, it, because it's a 30-minute show, you were able to get two lessons in. 
and I, I kind of liked it because it's coming from two different perspectives. It's coming from the adult perspective of Mr. Rogers actually talking to us as an audience. Mm-hmm. And then it's also coming from the story of these make-believe puppet people looking things. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I remember even as a child, though, thinking they were weird looking. Yeah. Like, even as a child, I was kind of put off by the appearance, but I still loved this segment for some reason. Now, this is, we'll get into the segment in a little bit, but as far as the actual characters go, I do remember liking Henrietta Pussycat and Daniel the Striped Tiger, and at times liking and at times disliking King Friday, and my least favorite was Easy Lady Fairchild, just because she kind of scared me. Yeah, um, she was creepy. Steve, did you have any ones that you either liked or disliked, or any thoughts on the actual puppets? Um, and I'm going to have to agree with Glade on this one. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say Trolley was the best part about the... Yeah, that's probably true. Believe. Yeah, the the trolley coming in, everybody wanted, speak, and it had its own whistle. Yeah, and everybody wanted a trolley. Yes. Well, it, it it spoke with the whistle. Yes. Not only did people, I didn't even necessarily want the trolley. I wanted to be able to hit the button <laughs> and then have it go away, <laughs> and to make it either go, you know, to come in or or leave or whatever. That's what I wanted to do. I'm like, let me hit the button just once, please. Um. All right, so I think that does it for the characters. We're going to get into a little bit more discussion as far as the land of make-believe or the neighborhood of make-believe uh, in the next part, um, which is... The good. The bad. The ugly. All right, that is right. It is time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now, I have a few things we can go off of that. I actually have added a few things as I was watching it, and we'll just kind of see where it takes us. But I think it only makes sense to start with the introduction and the theme song, which was obviously the same type of introduction for each and every show. For those of you that have never seen the show, first of all, turn away from the computer, find a mirror, and slap yourself in the face. Um, But... They would always start out with Fred Rogers entering his television studio house, singing the theme song, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which you just heard previously in this episode. He would hang his coat in a closet. He would put on a cardigan zipper sweater, usually. He would remove his dress shoes, put on sneakers. Um, what did you guys think of that whole introductory scene? Uh, Michael, let you go first. Uh, well, my note for this part was... Um uh, at, at, at the end of your little note here, it says um, it, the uh, the cultural influence of his ritual. Uh, my note is simple daily ritual dot 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 that I never understood. Like as a kid, I get it, okay, but as an adult, it's like watching this back. I'm like, why would you come into your own house, change your clothes, and that I never understood when I was a kid. It makes no sense to me whatsoever that he would come in from outside. I mean, I can see if he had, like, a snowsuit on, obviously, but usually <laughs> when people come into a house, you're going to take your shoes off and be in your socks or your bare feet or, you know, something like that. Similarly, unless they were going for, like, he was coming to work, like the neighborhood house was... Yeah. His job? Well, I think part of it, and I'm not saying this is necessarily an explanation because I agree with you. Even as a child, I, I didn't quite understand why it was happening, but I did like this. 
I don't I like know why. It too, but I just but don't understand it. I think part of it has to do with it being like when your age is like two, three, four, and five, which is where this is aimed for. You're learning these type of routines. You know, like in your morning or in your nighttime, you know, you usually had as a kid, at least I remember having like a specific order that you did things, Mm -hmm. whether it was like brush your teeth, you know, eat breakfast, you know, change your clothes, you know, whatever order you did to get ready or or to get ready for sleep or to get ready up for the day. I think it was trying to like speak to that routine, but you're right. It was like, and sometimes I watched one where he was taking off like a one jacket, he put it in the closet and he put on another like suit jacket. Yeah. And I'm like... Why are you changing from one suit jacket to another? It's, he didn't even go with the cardigan that time, but and it, it, it almost was the borderline of like an OCD with him too. Sometimes. That's why I have OCD. <laughs> <laughs> going back to what you said earlier about him being red, red, green, colorblind. If you look at every single, oh, I think a majority of every single episode of the entire run of Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, he has either all white clothes or like light clothes or all dark clothes. Because the one that I watched that had the exercise lady is, he comes in with sunglasses, a wig, and a and a black leather jacket. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing, I did see somewhere where he explained why he wore sneakers mm-hmm. because he said that he didn't like how noisy uh, dress shoes were on the set. So we wanted to wear sneakers so that the sound wouldn't come across. But I always thought it was just because he was home and he was more comfortable or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to actually, I just thought of this. I'm going to blame him because I'm someone that never takes my shoes off when I get home. I always keep my shoes on. And even like my mom or like other people will be like, why don't you take your shoes off and stay a while? And I'm always like, I like my sneakers on. I'm blaming Mr. Rogers. <laughs> um, fault. What did you think of the whole intro, though, Steve? What were your thoughts on his whole coming in? Or even we didn't really talk about but the, the song that he sings and everything. Um, I, I thought it was a nice way of, of coming in because, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you yourself going into your house and, you know. Yeah, it's very soothing. Yeah, just it's it's a nice, calm opening uh, to get you ready for what he's got going on. Yeah, uh, and I, the song... Even though it's not necessarily like this ridiculously awesome song, it's got to be one of the most known songs from our generation as far oh, as like yeah. kids stuff. Like who doesn't know Won't You Be My Neighbor? <laughs> like yeah, everybody knows that. And who hasn't done some type of spoof or rip off on it? Mm. But uh, I don't know. I, I like the intro. Like Mike said, I agree that it doesn't make 100% sense. And that even as a kid, I was kind of like, why is he taking his clothes off and putting other clothes on? But... I don't know. For some reason, I like the routine. Um, another thing I want to talk about that I kind of have added is they both showed it at the beginning and at the end of every episode when they would show his street, but it would be like the playset street, yeah. like with the fake houses and buildings and whatnot. Yeah. I always thought that was super cool. Yeah, I did too. You know, they they had like these random buildings, and they would show the logo, or whatever. But they'd be taking you down his street to to his house, and I always thought that was cool because it reminded me of my own toys. You know, like your own playset or your own train with like different houses that you could put around it or whatever. And I was like, it, I, it made me connect with the show that it was like on my level because they also had the toys making up the street instead of a real street. Yeah. The funny thing is, I have not, before this episode of Telecast, I haven't watched an episode of Mr. Rogers since I was a kid. Me neither. Uh, And when I watch the intro, I I remember the song, I remember how it brings you in, 
Because it, it does the whole camera pan of, like you said, going down the street and then going into his house, and then it shows him coming into the house afterwards. But I always thought when you first see it, like that first building, I thought, oh, that's his house. Okay, <laughs> here we are. And I'm like, no, you got to go down this street, down that street, take a left, take a right, one way this way, one way that. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and I guess every building was like modeled after a real building, like from either his childhood or where he was living or like people he knew, like the buildings they owned. So I guess they weren't just like just random buildings. They all represented an actual real place. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, what do you think about that part of it, Steve? Or the other thing we could talk about too is the, uh, the fake like place that like castle that he had that he would bring out before they went to the make believe where he'd put it back on the shelf. I just liked the fact that he had these like actual toy like playset type things representing these real things. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say that I, I did like that too. He was uh, everything he did was very visual. It was like he was an adult, but he was still a kid because he was still playing with these playsets. I mean, even though they were just being used to, for, to take us to the the neighborhood of make believe and to kind of represent that, you're right. Everything was very visual. I just kind of, I don't know, I just kind of thought that was cool. Um, it was cool. Let's talk a little bit more about the world of make-believe, because for me, I don't know why I liked this as a kid. Because watching it back, mm-hmm. I can sit through the segments of him. I yep. can sit through him doing an experiment, or talking about feelings, or teaching us this or that. I can sit through all that. I The world of make-believe was really hard to sit through. <laughs> like what were when you guys watch these episodes are did you still find them watchable or did you have problems with them what were your opinions as your adult self watching the world of make believe every time i ever saw world of make believe both now as, a, as an adult and both as a kid i was waiting for one of the adults in the neighborhood of make believe to just step on the, the the trolley track or to trip over the trolley track or to hit their head on the, just something to happen to that damn trolley track introduce godzilla for christ's sake and destroy the trolley track i just i don't know i just couldn't hardly sit through it now that's like the one part that I don't like as an adult. I think what spoils it is learning that Fred is the voice of the majority of them. I mean, because honestly, who really paid attention to voice actors when we were kids? I, I mean, you know, we knew the voice of whatever character we liked. I knew he was the king. Right. But no, I didn't yeah. know he was almost all the other characters. <laughs> Because the king is basically almost his exact same voice, and I picked yeah. up on that. But yeah. the voicing is so bad. Some of the puppets are just downright creepy looking. And, like, I wanted to like it because I remember liking it as a kid, but I just can't like it now. Oh, Steve, do, what are your feelings as, as, like, your adult self about the make-believe place? Honestly, I can't sit through it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the part that's almost impossible to watch. Um, one of the things I have to bring up, and this is more of a biology type of thing. Okay. How the hell does a puppet and a human mate to have a niece? I don't even want to go there. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately asking. I'm not, I'm not trying to have my mind in the gutter or anything like that. I'm legitimately asking, how does a puppet and a human mate and you get a live human niece out of it? Because it's the land of make-believe where imaginations rule. And it's kind of like, I mean... Along the lines of the children's programming that was on at the time, Land of Make Believe is technically a cruder, uglier 
version of Sesame Street because you have humans interacting with... The difference is, and I agree with what you're saying, but the main difference here is in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, he would go out of his way both before... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And after, to really hammer home the fact to the kids, the difference between reality and make-believe. Right. Like, he would do everything he could to be like, we are pretending, or that when you pretend, you can do, this isn't something we would do, and, you know, like, that type of stuff. Exactly. Whereas Sesame Street never tries to do that. Sesame Street blends the two without ever trying to say to the kids there's a difference between them. You know what I mean? Like, Sesame Street completely blends live action and the characters, and just, you accept that, that that's the world, and that's how it is. Yeah, but, I mean... I, I, I'm just comparing the two as far as... Right. The, no, the interaction between the humans and the thing. I, and I was just trying to say, like, yeah. a lot of times people give, like, uh, are hard on, like, cartoons or different stuff these days because they say kids can't separate the reality and the, the fiction. It, it's funny you bring that up because, honestly, I've always... Like, you know how you get those... Um, like when Jackass first came out, where you have all these copycats trying to go out and, 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 and do those stunts, mm-hmm. or... Uh, well, what's another big thing that that um, people tried to mimic in the... I don't know. Thanks. But, um, yeah, I think, honestly, Mr. Rogers was where I learned the difference and, and knew better versus real life and what you can actually do versus what's make-believe and what's fake. Well, it was almost like they weren't only concerned about the educational part, but they were also taking into account the like psychological world mm. of a kid yep. and like how they need to realize the difference between certain things. And, you know, his was a lot more about feelings and emotions and the proper way to deal with, you know, things that come up. Whereas Sesame street was more straightforward, like school educational. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's kind of how I put it, but I think it was good that he tried to make that separation for us. And maybe that's what kids need these days is someone to, at an early age, separate reality from fantasy. I don't know. Ain't that um, the truth. <laughs> the last thing I want to bring up before I'll let you guys bring anything else up, but uh, something I forgot until I watched these episodes was the picture picture. And I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but he had that like um, painting on his wall or whatever. Oh, yeah. And he would like throw videotapes into like the side of the wall. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. And then all of a sudden the picture would turn into like a, a, like a movie. And I, <laughs> 
I always was fascinated by that as a kid just because of how well they made it look like a regular wall in a regular painting. And I'm like, where is he sticking that videotape? <laughs> like, how is this happening? It's magic. Yeah. But it was another cool thing. It's kind of like the Reading Rainbow segments where they would actually go and show like the real process of something happening. Um, the one I watched, one of the episodes I watched, actually I watched two that showed picture-picture stuff, and one showed a uh, the process of how gold bars were made, and the other showed a fast-forwarded version of the actual Mr. Rogers set being put together, which was kind of cool to see. Uh, but cool. yeah, I just I just remember the picture-picture being something I liked when I was a kid. Um, anything else you guys want to bring up about parts of the show, things from the show, things you like, things you didn't like, or anything good, bad, or ugly? Mm. Don't We're think good. So. We've uh, covered the yeah. ugly puppets. Yes. <laughs> yeah, to me, it, it's, it's very simple. The good is the Mr. Rogers segments, and the bad and the ugly is the land of make-believe. But like I said before, it was a way of getting a double lesson in. Yeah. Well, I think the reason we liked it as kids, or at least I liked it as a kid, Yeah. I'm going to say, and this is completely talking about stuff I have no idea about because I'm not a psychologist or anything like that, (laughs) but I think the reason we liked it better then is because even like kids today, even though we're older, I think we have also now somewhat been conditioned to needing things faster paced. And stuff that's a little bit more, um, not necessarily, I'm not calling it boring, but we've been conditioned to need things like in a different, I don't know, a different pace or a different something. Right, yeah. Like, it's sad because I think like we liked it back then because we were, we had more patience for that type of stuff back then. Yep. And, you know, like Steve said, that's why it wouldn't work with, uh, with kids these days, I don't think. No, because kids nowadays have no no patience. Damn young whippersnappers, get off my lawn! <laughs> no real attention span, anyway. Yeah, no, not at all. And part of that's maybe because they're not exposed to shows like this. But it's kind of like a double edged sword because you can't expose them to shows like this because they won't last. They will get no ratings. Yeah. So unless you're going to get them on a channel like PBS, which uh, unfortunately is hurting. So. Alright, that does it for the good, the bad, and the ugly of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and now it is time for... Things that make you go, hmm. That's right, it is time for things you didn't know about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, or things that make you go, hmm. Um, we always do this, so the first one is going to be awards. I don't think this is necessarily things you might not know, but maybe you didn't know how many. Uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood won a Peabody Award, nominated for 48 Emmys, which is, and that's like a ridiculous number. I don't know how it only won four of them, though. Like, if you're nominated 48 times, shouldn't you win more than four? Or did it just lose <laughs> to Sesame Street every time? Like, that has to be the only way it lost or only one four, it had to have lost two Sesame Street in every other one. Like, what other educational show would have won a daytime Emmy besides Mr. Rogers' Hood or Sesame Street back in that time period? I don't know. Science shows. <laughs> Maybe there was a few science shows. I'm going to have to go back and find out who won those years that it did not win. Um, the second thing that you might not know about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is how many crossovers uh, Mr. Rogers was involved with. First one I want to mention is the animated cartoon series Arthur. Um, Rogers actually plays himself as an aardvark like uh, Arthur. Uh, 
And then later on, Arthur appears as a guest in hand puppet on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. That's not the only one. Bill Nye, I actually did not know about this, um, and Rogers exchanged appearances on each other's series, as did Mr. Rogers and Captain Kangaroo, as did Mr. Rogers and Big Bird. So I did not realize that all those guys had that many crossovers. I'd never remember seeing any of them in each other's shows. I do remember the Mr. Rogers Sesame Street crossover. That is also... Probably because I remember, as as most of us do, remember watching those two shows back to back. But I do remember those crossovers. Apparently, originally, Mr. Rogers had asked Carol Spinney, who is the guy that did Big Bird, he asked him to appear on his show to show the audience his real self and to take off the Big Bird costume on camera. Mm-hmm. And so everyone would see the inside workings of Big Bird and how it's really a human being and all that. But uh, Carol Spinney refused to do that on on screen. Uh, So instead they worked something else into it. I don't remember the episode, but obviously he never took anything off. But it was just another way, I think, of Mr. Rogers trying to get people to see the reality versus the, the fantasy, which obviously, like I said, Sesame Street didn't do as much. But I never remember seeing him in Bill Nye or vice versa or Captain Kangaroo or I didn't watch Arthur, so I would have never seen that. Yeah. Um, another third thing that you might not know about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is that uh, Idlewild and Silk Zone, an amusement park near Rogers' hometown of Latrobe, Pennsylvania, has actually has an attraction called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood of Make-Believe, featuring a life-size trolley ride that was actually designed by Fred Rogers. Sweet. <laughs> That would have been interesting to go to as a kid. Road trip. <laughs> if I was a kid, I would have loved riding on that thing. I don't know if I'll ever go there, though. <laughs> Road trip. <laughs> <laughs> to Pennsylvania, folks. Um, fourth thing that you might not know about Mr. Rogers is there is actually a statue of Fred Rogers on the north shore of the Allegheny River near Heinz Field, which is where the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers play. Um, yikes. Let's not go there. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> It's cool that he has a statue of himself. Yeah, yeah. Good um, statue. Moving on. Packer hat. And anyways, uh, number five thing that you might not know about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is that Fred Rogers himself was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame in 1999. And the last thing I have, and I kind of mentioned this in the Reading Rainbow episode, but uh, it is the second longest running series on PBS in history. And obviously the first one is Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Jeez. <laughs> so those are the things that you might not have known about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. So let's unfortunately go into a segment, Where Are They Now? Obviously, I say unfortunately because, like, hopefully most of you know, Fred Rogers is no longer with us. Um, he was diagnosed with stomach cancer in 2002, like a, a couple years. Not, I don't even know if that was like one year after he retired. Um, he underwent surgery, but it was unsuccessful. So he passed away in 2003 at home with his wife, and he was a month before he turned 75. Um, interesting note, though, and I did not know this beforehand. <laughs> on New Year's Day of 2004, Michael Keaton hosted the PBS TV special Mr. Rogers, America's Favorite Neighbor, and it actually was released on DVD um, in 2004. This is the part I didn't know, though. Michael Keaton began his career as a stagehand on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood before he quit to become an actor. Okay, wow. now this is where I have to come in really quick before Steve says anything. 
when I read this part in the script before we started this episode, I typed in the group chat, wow, from stagehand on Mr. Rogers to being Batman to being a girl's toy in Toy Story 3, the life of Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah, I did not realize that he, I don't know how old he was in 1975, because I think that was the year he was a stagehand. Mm-hmm. was in 75, if I remember seeing it right on, uh, I think I saw him on IMDb, but how, how many people can trace themselves back to Mr. something like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and then, like you said, be in stuff like Batman and then Toy Story? Like, that spans a long time. Um, but that's pretty impressive. Uh, he was also awarded the Presidential Medal of uh, Freedom, which is the highest award that a, uh, a regular citizen can get from uh, George Bush, George W. Bush, um, who said about him, Fred Rogers has proven that television can soothe the soul and nurture the spirit and teach the very young. The U.S. Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives passed resolutions commemorating his life. Um, and I do remember the day that he died, actually. And I remember that hitting news like crazy. I was uh, in college at the time, and I just remember everyone being like, "Holy crap!" Yeah. Like, obviously, everybody you know grows and everybody lives, you know, dies eventually. But it's like you never think about an icon from your childhood passing away. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I remember this day too, and it was very sad. Um, yeah, uh, Michael Keaton would have been 24 years old. So good lord. <laughs> I don't know if he did anything besides stagehand. I don't know if they ever let him like do one of the puppets or ever appear I don't on camera. Think so that would have been cool to see him at that age. But uh, <laughs> it's I don't know. With this was one of those deaths that like almost went through the country more than I mean, obviously not like the level of like a Michael Jackson or, or something like that. But everybody was doing stuff for Mister Rogers. There was yeah. all kinds of memorials and special things and like. And it just proves, like, how great he was as far as dedicating so much time to trying to do something good. See, I don't think you can compare celebrity deaths in general, but comparing, like, Roger's death, and I know that's not what you're trying to do, but just comparing Roger's death to Michael Jackson's death, because honestly, when Peter Jennings passed away, I got more emotional over that than I did Michael Jackson. Well, yeah, and I got more emotional when Mr. Rogers died than Michael Jackson. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, obviously he's not, like, the pop, uh, the, the icon, right, like, right, Jackson. Yeah. But, like, I can't remember a lot of celebrity deaths that hit me as hard as Mr. Rogers. And I don't know what exactly well, – I can't explain it. And I definitely would have never expected it. But I just remember hearing he, he died, and I was, like, floored. Yeah. But – I don't know. What was you? Do you remember that when that happened with, with you, Steve, or did you have a similar reaction, or did it? Did you not necessarily like catch that same vibe? I was. I, I didn't really have any any sort of close feeling to it. I just. I, I was like, oh wow, that's crazy, and then I just. Yeah. Didn't really think about it again. For some reason, I think, and this may just be me personally, but I guarantee, like, people always ask you like what your favorite shows are and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I guarantee, if you would have asked me when I was like. I don't know what age it would have been if I, you know, three, four, somewhere in there. But it, there was a long time where if you would ask me what my favorite show is, this is what it would have been. Yeah. Like at times, at, at one point in my life, I liked this even better than Sesame Street, and I don't know exactly why, but I just had a connection to this show. So that's, I think that's why it hit me is like this was my favorite show when I was at like three. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, so sad note, we're, we're not going to go into any of the other characters or where they are now because obviously they weren't really on stage. The only, I guess, I guess I could have gone about, uh, Mr. McFeely, but I didn't get that information. So unfortunately we'll leave it as a sad note as far as where they are now, but we will try to cheer it up with some retro sounds and clips and whatnot, um, during the commercial break. So don't touch that dial because we will be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. That can give you a mighty good feeling. It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling. You're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy today. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling. The feeling you know that I'll be back when the week is new. And I'll have more ideas for you And you'll have things you'll want to talk about I will too You always make each week a special one You know how? By just your being you Only one person in the whole world like you And you have friends too Bye bye This is The Brain, and you're listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. Yes! You won! Oh, I won! I won! Wow! Isn't that exciting? I won! Boy, I am so proud! Of course you are. Oh, no. What? Oh, I just realized something. Oh, I shouldn't be happy or proud. Why not? Well, I won, but my friend Mr. Snuffleupagus lost. Why, he's going to be sad he didn't win. And he might even be angry because I beat him. Well, I can understand how he might be sad or angry. He might be afraid that his friends wouldn't like him anymore. Oh, his friends wouldn't like him anymore? Mm-hmm. Mm. He might think that none of his friends would like a loser. Oh, well, I'd like him whether he wins or loses. You're still his friend, aren't you? Sure. Well, it would be very helpful if you could let him know that. Oh, I'll tell him. There's my friend. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. Uh, Rogers. Mr. Rogers. Okay. Bye, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. I'm Big Bird. (laughs) Mr. Rogers. That was Mr. Rogers. Oh, my goodness. That was Mr. Bye, Mr. Rogers. Hello, nurses and friends of nurses. Yakko Warner here, and you're listening to a podcast on the GeekCast Radio Network. Lucky you. Do you know that song that I sometimes sing called It's You I Like? Uh-huh. It's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. The way down deep inside you, not the things that hide you, not your fancy chair, that's just beside you, it's you. Uh, 
Chad, Pinky here of Pinky and the Brain, the smarter one, you don't mind saying so. I love listening to the Geekcast Radio Network. Now, I know you've been doing work in television for roughly 30 years. Oh, yeah. And how long with Mr. Rogers now? Well, on the network, it's been about 18. 18. Yeah. Does that affect you as a father and with your kids growing up? I mean, do you try to be something, something beyond just the normal? This episode is brought to you by Allianz Travel Insurance. When you're far from home, anything can happen. That's why more than 70 million American travelers trust Allianz Travel Insurance to protect their adventures. With benefits for medical emergencies and evacuations, trip cancellations, travel delays, and baggage mishaps, you can travel with perfect peace of mind. Learn more and get a quote at AllianzTravelInsurance.com. Normal father or, I mean, oh, any pressure very. to being a father to kids growing up with this image? I think you really have to be yourself. The best thing that you can do for anybody, and I'm sure you've learned that, is to just offer one more honest adult in their lives. See, that's a wonderful thing to say. One more honest adult in their lives. That's truly all we have, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The relationship with not only their little friends, but with adults. Mm -hmm. But you do that through your work. And, you know, the millions of friends that you have through your television, you offer yourself. And that's why you're here so long. And that's why I'm here so long. What about a message? Thank you, by the way. What about a message? to your youngsters growing up? Oh, I hope that they can... I hope that they can feel good about who they are. You know, there's, there's only one person in the whole world like them. And there's never been any, anybody before and there never will be anybody after. All right, thanks for staying with us, everyone. And you may be wondering how you can watch some of this show that we've been talking about for the last, I don't know, hour or so. Um, it's getting close to that, I think. But actually, there's a lot of different options here. I'm not necessarily any of them. I'm not going to say any of them are better than the other, but first we'll go with the DVD stuff. There are a uh, few episodes of the series that have been released by DVD on Anchor Bay Entertainment. But... The main way to uh, to get them, I, I'm not familiar with this, but apparently Amazon.com has a video on demand service, mm-hmm. and a hundred episodes have been released as part of that video on demand service. And the uh, the press clipping that I got um, when doing research, when it was announced, this is when it was first announced, which was a, a while back. But uh, Amazon Create Space and the Fred Rogers Company have announced that beginning immediately, Amazon is exclusively selling manufacture on demand releases of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on DVD, produced using the Create Space DVD on demand program. Each disc, this is the weird part. Each disc contains a single half-hour episode for nine ninety-five per title. That's too much. Dang. Are you serious? That's way too much. They made a they made a hundred episodes available at ten bucks a pop. Yet Nickelodeon can release a hundred episodes of SpongeBob and sell it for fifty bucks. Yeah. So uh, go figure. Apparently, the DVD option is not necessarily the best option unless Dude. you're a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess if you're obsessed, you could get it there. Um, Netflix. I do want to talk about that for a second. Netflix has four different selections that you can get sent to your house. From what I can tell, each one that they would send you would have two episodes. Mm-hmm. So again, not a lot. Yeah. But I guess you could get it on Netflix if you want. Um, 
As far as iTunes go, this might be your best bet. Yeah. iTunes has a – they list it as Volume 1. Now, they don't list any other volumes, so I don't know if there's plans for a Volume 2, but they list it. Volume 1 of the show, available for purchase on iTunes, contains 10 episodes, and that's $15. Yeah. So, to me, for the number of episodes and the cost, that is your best option. Yeah, probably. Um, and then, like we said, and like I'm going to let Mike talk about a little bit, you know, YouTube is kind of an option. YouTube really isn't an option. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, I mean, this this is a show that, like Kevin said, that lasted 31 seasons. This is like epic children's programming. Like and yet, eight to 900 episodes. Yeah, and, and yet... Um, not a lot of it is on YouTube at all. I'm actually just trying to type silently here. But, uh, <laughs> We're doing this for you people. Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Okay, that's all I typed in was Mr. And I, and I typed out Mr. I didn't put MR period. I typed Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. The first um, results, the first f- four results we get is fans visit Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Uh... Something about an AP chemistry final project in 2010 named Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and it's got a picture of some guy and some girl. Nice. Uh, Mr. Rogers' introduction theme song. Mr. Rogers' competition part one of two, so that's an episode there. Uh, Transformations. Those are the two episodes I saw. Yeah, I didn't watch competition at the time, but I I, I did see the Transformations one. Uh, Fred Rogers' acceptance speech theme song. So it's a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Um, the quality is good of the two episodes. Yeah, it is. It's very clear. Um, so I would sum it up this way as far as how you can watch this show now. If you are a humongous fan and really want to see a, a bigger selection, you go with um, iTunes. For 15 bucks, you can watch 10 episodes. If all you want to do is see a little bit just to have those memories and to see the picture-picture, to see the trolley, to see him coming in and to see the land of make-believe – you can just watch those two episodes on on YouTube and you're probably fine. You know. Yeah, exactly. That and and we're going to transition real quick into IGN replacement crew because I'm definitely suggesting you go with the YouTube route and just watch those two episodes and be done with it. I'll start off because this one I'm actually going to give this one. This was this is my one of my favorite shows ever when I was a kid. I think I got to give it a 2. I I loved the show back in the day. I watched two episodes just now, or you know, in the last couple of days. I am fine never watching it again. What about you, Steve? I have to agree completely with Kevin. <laughs> I think I think for me, it's nostalgia factor that's weighing in on this because. Like, it's something I hadn't thought of in a very long... I mean, like I've said in this episode, I haven't watched it since I was a kid up until when right before we recorded this episode where I watched those those episodes on YouTube. I think it is worth the nostalgia in people to maybe get that first volume on iTunes because it is ten actual episodes and you don't have to look for part one and part two and blah, 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 blah on YouTube. So I think the fourteen ninety nine price tag on iTunes does warrant for nostalgia factor only. But yeah, the only way I would ever watch this again is heaven for I ever had any kids. 
if it was 20 episodes with all the make-believe part cut out... <laughs> That'll never happen. <laughs> but, I mean, basically in a, in a 28... I mean, you got to figure that each show was probably about 28 minutes long. Mm-hmm. The make-believe part was probably, what, 10 minutes of it? Yeah. You, you know, and that's a lot of crap to sit through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just tell us I, how you really feel. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to feel this way. Actually, I thought for sure this is one. You know, I remember it being one of my favorite shows as a kid. I thought I'd give it a great review. I had a lot of trouble sitting through it, and I think you're fine just watching one or two episodes on YouTube, and you'll get the nostalgia. You'll get the memories of of what it was, and I think you'll have the same opinion as as Steve and I. I don't know. I, maybe there's some hardcore fans, and like you said, the price isn't bad. No, not for what you get because it's only like a dollar fifty an episode. Yeah. Which is or, better than the $10 that Amazon On Demand wanted to charge oh, you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not bad at all. So are you giving this one a three, Mike? Yeah, probably okay. a three. That's fine. You're allowed. We'll let you do that. And see, what I don't get, though, is if the Fred Rogers Company or who I'm not sure owns the rights to the actual television show, I would assume it is the Fred Rogers Company, whoever of his – Family or I don't I don't know if he he was married right yeah he did he, I don't know if he yeah, had kids he had though. kids he had kids okay well out of the kids that that are probably still alive I don't understand why if they own the rights to it that they don't just release it on DVD themselves yeah I mean I don't know I don't know how the rights go or who has yeah. it how much it would cost to do it but it seems like that there's enough good original copies maybe not of the early episodes but as good as that YouTube clarity is somewhere there's good quality episodes mm-hmm. like you could easily put together some DVD sets I don't know yes that's a theme though I mean a lot of these educational shows they are not on DVD and that's almost I mean kind of getting into my last words here to me a show like that is better almost if you have a DVD set because yep. You know, then when you have kids or do whatever, you can pop some on once in a while and kind of expose kids to something they can't get now. Now, I'm not going to say anything bad about the show because I think the show did wonders for me and for a lot of kids. Oh, yeah. As far as, like, teaching you, like I said, the difference between reality and fantasy, the how to deal with feelings, how to, you know, just stuff that you could not get anywhere else on TV. Right. And he was such a good host. He was so soothing and and comforting. And he would give you ways to cope with being angry. He would give you ways to cope with being sad. They went through, like, death episodes where they could deal with death. You know, they went through all different things. And I don't know. This is just a fraction of what kids today are missing. So what are your guys' last thoughts on uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Steve? Um, I would definitely say it is something to check out for younger people. Um, at least for a, a view for older people, I would say that, that actually grew up with it, I would say it's good enough for a YouTube revisit, like you were saying, but I don't know how much you're going to actually get out of it nowadays. Yeah, you'll probably like that. Like I said, I didn't remember Mr. McFeely. I didn't remember Picture in Picture uh, before I watched it, so it was cool to remember those things. But that was about it. I don't know. Mike? Yeah. Any last words? Like I said in the IGN thing, for sheer nostalgia, 
get the ten episodes on iTunes. It's only uh, yeah, I know it would it would probably be better, like Kevin said, if if it was twenty episodes without the make believe stuff. But that's the thing, though. That's a part of that show. Whether we as adults don't like the the neighborhood of make believe, that was a part of the show, and that's part of my nostalgia for the show is because I remember liking that as a kid. Uh, because of the whole journey that Charlie takes. Because technically, you could almost say that it's a, a story that's being told through Trolley, because he always, Fred always had Trolley come up, and then uh, technically Trolley was the video camera for the Land of Make Believe. I would say that I would be interested in getting a trolley to go into uh, that drives into one of my walls here at my house, <laughs> and I would also like to make my TV look like a painting that's in the wall, and somehow mm-hmm. like stick my DVDs into the wall. I would be up for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it, it's obviously one of the you know just from as far as like uh, how long it was on. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides Sesame Street, it's basically the longest-running kids show, I think, in, in not only PBS history, but it's got to be one of the longest ones in just history history. And Oh, yeah. You know, it has its own place. It was a definite part of pop culture. It always will be. That's why he has a statue. That's why, you know, I don't know, he has so many awards and accolades. But it is what it is. I wish there was some type of modern version of this for kids. But yeah. that will probably never happen. All right, everyone, I would like to thank Steve and Mike for coming back to round off the educational episodes of the Telecast. And I'd like to thank all the listeners for joining us here on Episode 10. If you want to leave us feedback on the show, there are three main ways to do this. First, you can go visit the website, www.geekcastradio.com, where you can comment on all of our different podcasts. Please do this. We love getting comments there. Second, you can rate our show and leave us feedback in iTunes. We're sitting at three reviews looking for some few more on the American side, so please, if you're listening to this, don't stall, don't hesitate, don't be a procrastinator, shout out to the Ustream, um, and go give us a feedback in iTunes, please. If you want your comments to be a part of a future show, call the voicemail line 502-526-5821. Tell us that you're leaving a voicemail for the telecast and give us something to call you. Otherwise, we'll make up some name for you. If you want to keep up to date with all things GeekCast related, the best way to do that is to become a a fan of us on Facebook, a face of us on Fanbook, by going to facebook.com slash geekcastradionetwork. Don't forget we have our listeners' choice and our theme song contest going on. Video power! And we have had a couple entrants for the uh, listeners' choice. I'm looking for some more, and we have had an entrance uh, entry for the theme song contest, but you, it's possible to beat her, so... Another shout-out to anyone listening. Listen to the end of this episode and guess the order of the theme songs, and then go visit the webpage and see how you get that information to me. Um, So that does it for now. We hope we succeeded in entertaining you, informing you, and most importantly, unleashing the geek in you on this episode of the Telecast, and we hope that you will tune in for our next episode when we start a brand-new theme. I don't remember who's with me, but we will be discussing Eureka's Castle, which I'm guessing a lot of people don't remember. For now, I'm your host, Optimus Solo, with... Try to Megatron Philip <laughs> And Mike DFG1 Blanchard. And we're saying, uh, won't you be our neighbor? And tune in in ten days for another episode of The Telecast. Last year, Rogers received the highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He earned his own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and was honored with an Emmy for Lifetime Achievement. Oh, it's a beautiful night in this neighborhood. But Rogers said honors and titles weren't important. It's what resides inside, he said. I got out of the cab and said to the cab driver, how much is it? And he said, 
It isn't anything, Mr. Rogers. Uh, this is the luckiest night of my life. And I was so touched. Fred Rogers was 74 years old, but his show will live on forever. All kinds of marvelous... Alina Cho, ABC News, New York. that I kind of was interested in because I got a little advanced copy from the meeting today was what happens when Mr. Rogers goes? What happens to all those kids out there? How do we explain that to them? And is that going to be well, any, I remember of doing any difficulty? I, you know, we did one program about death, mm -hmm. about the death of one of my goldfish. And I talked about my dogs dying when I was a little boy and how my grandmother comforted me and how I cried. And... What I like children to know is that there will always be somebody there to take care of them. And I think that's the most important message of all, because 
After all, what are we scared of as far as death's concerned? We're scared that there won't be anybody there to feed us or, or to take care of us. We're scared of that as adults. Of course. Yeah. 